It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. On this episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity, I'm going to pull back the veil on an amazing title that rests upon the people of God. In Obadiah chapter 1, verse 21, we are referred to as saviors. Now, I know that's a stunning declaration, but stick with me and I'll show you the progression of thought that proves this title rests upon the people of God in this new covenant era. In no way will it take away from Jesus's glorious status as the Savior of the world, the Savior of all men, and the Savior of the body. He is the epitome of this role being fulfilled. However, the word Savior simply means one who brings salvation. And this is certainly a responsibility and a privilege that has been passed to the rest of the body of Christ, to share the means of salvation with others. And in a sense, we fill a subordinate position in this area. Remember when the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds in the fields and said, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What a joyous day it was when that little babe was born in Bethlehem that would bring forgiveness of sin and deliverance from the lower nature and the ability to conquer all the adversities of this life in the lives of those who would receive him as Lord of their lives. Without his intervention in this world, none of us could have been saved and none of us could be empowered to share this wonderful story of salvation with others. Also, remember when the angel of the Lord spoke to Mary? and said, You shall call his name Jesus, or Yeshua in the Hebrew, for he shall save his people from their sins. The name Yeshua, or in the English, Jesus, means salvation. So his name indicated his calling. His name indicated his purpose. That's why he came, to save the human race. But you and I, in Hebrews chapter 1, are referred to as heirs of salvation. And so we are called for something very similar, not just to be on the receiving end, because in the kingdom of God, whatever you receive from God, you are then duty-bound and responsible to give away to others. Salvation simply means deliverance, and it covers a lot of territory. It can mean deliverance from enemies. It can mean deliverance from danger. It can mean deliverance from the lower nature. It can mean deliverance from sin, deliverance from the curse of separation from God, deliverance from the curse of the law, deliverance from satanic or demonic control of your life, deliverance from death 
even. Deliverance from the grave, deliverance from eternal destruction. It covers every area of need, every area of bondage that we need salvation from in this life. And thank God, if God has done it for you, you should be enthusiastic and passionate about carrying this same revelation to others. Let's go back to this book that is one of the shortest books in the Bible, Obadiah, 21 verses long. On the first level of interpretation, it is a denunciation of the Edomites who were enemies of Israel in that day. On the second level, it is a rebuke leveled at all the enemies of Israel in every age, all the way up to the last days when all nations will be gathered together against Jerusalem to battle. On the highest level, it bumps up to a spiritual sphere of fulfillment, and it's not just salvation from enemies that fight with natural weapons against natural armies, but it's talking about victory over the greatest enemies of the human race, which I've already enumerated. The sin that corrupts all of us, we need to be saved from that more than anything else. Now, in Obadiah's writings, it especially refers to the day that we're living in, because in verse 15, he says, the day of the Lord upon all nations is near. And the day of the Lord is the last day of this age. It's the day when everything is going to come crashing down. God's final indignation is going to be released against all those who have walked in darkness and walked in rebellion against him. However, he says in verse 17 that on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance. On Mount Zion there shall be deliverance. Now, of course, Mount Zion is a natural location. Mount Zion is in Jerusalem. The word Zion means fortress. It was originally controlled by the Jebusites, and it was one of the last places in the promised land to be conquered. David finally brought that mountain under his control, and he was the one that called it Zion. It came to a place where it evolved biblically into meaning something more than just a physical location. Because, see, David erected the tabernacle there that housed the Ark of the Covenant, and the glory of the Lord resided in that tabernacle, and the priests praised God there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the throne of the king was there. So if you went to Mount Zion, you ascended up that mountain into the glory of God and to the throne of the king. And of course, that became a picture, a prophetic and spiritual and symbolic picture of something God would provide to his people in the new covenant. In fact, you can read about it in Hebrews chapter 12. In that chapter, God compares the Old Testament, which he symbolizes as Mount Sinai, to the New Testament, which he symbolizes as Mount Zion. And of course, Mount Sinai was where the law was given, and it was a very fearful experience. The ground was trembling. The thunderclap of God's voice went forth as he gave the Ten Commandments. The people ran away from the mountain and cried aloud to Moses and said, You talk to us and we'll listen to you, but let not God talk to us or we'll die. 
And that's when the law was given. And the law just proved how condemnable human beings are. It did not really bring the solution to the problem. But then the writer of Hebrews, which I believe to be Paul, said, you've not come to Mount Sinai, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. And so coming to Mount Zion is representative. It is symbolic of ascending to a place where you're living in an intimate relationship with God, surrounded by angels that protect you and minister to you, a part of the church of the firstborn, the church in which every member is considered to be a firstborn son. You're part of a company of people whose spirits have been made perfect. That doesn't mean we are perfect human beings, but in Christ we find our perfection. And we come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So this is a wonderful thing to come to this place of victory in a world full of defeat. Again, the word Zion means fortress because Zion is a fortress of faith and a world full of unbelief. And Zion is a fortress of love and a world full of hate. Zion is a fortress of hope in a world full of despair. Zion is a fortress of goodness in a world full of badness. Zion is a fortress of righteousness in a world full of wickedness. That's what the church should be, and that's where the church should live. And the Bible says in verse 21 of Obadiah's writings, in these last days especially, when the day of the Lord is drawing near, that saviors will come to Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Now, of course, that will receive ultimate fulfillment when the kingdom of God fully manifests in this world at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But on a little lesser level, it's happening right now. Anyone who comes to Mount Zion, anyone who receives the wonderful promises of the new covenant, and you become a changed person as a result, and you become a part of the church as a result, well, as you ascend up the slopes of Mount Zion to meet this mediator between God and men, the Lord Jesus Christ, you inherit the responsibility of extending his salvation to others. Now, to further reinforce this whole idea that there are subordinate, quote-unquote, saviors, let me go back to the Old Testament book of Judges. A couple of examples there. And it almost always follows a similar pattern. In Judges chapter 3, verse 7, it says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs, which were false gods, false deities. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishatham, the king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served that king for eight years. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, 
the Lord raised up a deliverer. It says in the New King James Version, he raised up a deliverer, but the Hebrew word is Yosha, and Yosha is translated Savior also. In fact, in the complete Jewish Bible, it refers to this person that was raised up, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the younger brother of Caleb, as being a savior, that Adonai raised up a savior for the people. The New King James Version calls him a deliverer, because a savior is one who brings salvation, one who brings deliverance. And then in the same chapter, in verse 11, he died. And once again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel. And he gathered unto them the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, eighteen years. But when they cried unto the Lord, there again, You've got to seek God. You've got to plead with God. You've got to pour out your heart to God. You've got to reach out to him with a repentant heart and with longing, hungering, and thirsting after righteousness. And the Lord raised them up a deliverer. Once again, that word is used in the New King James Version, but in the complete Jewish Bible, it translates the Hebrew word Yesha as Savior. God raised up a savior, and that savior's name was Akud, the son of Jera, a Benjamite. And he delivered them from the king of Moab. And then over in Nehemiah chapter 9, it's during a prayerful time they were having as they met for the Feast of Tabernacles when they were restored to Jerusalem from Babylonian bondage. And the priests said in their prayer to God concerning Israel, the priests said, Therefore you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven, and according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers. And the complete Jewish Bible once again says you gave them saviors. That's Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 27. You gave them saviors who saved them from the hand of their enemies. Whenever men and women cooperate with the plan and the purpose of God in rescuing fellow human beings from the disastrous things that happen in this world, we fill this subordinate role. So go out into your world today and find those who are bound, those who are hurting, those who have been damaged by life, and become God's means of extending salvation to them. Remember, a Savior is someone who has the mentality of neglecting self or denying self in order to become a living sacrifice to help others who are desperately in need. And if we have the Savior mentality that Jesus had, then our lives are going to be all about others and not about ourselves. Let's do that. Let's not only be heirs of salvation, but let's fill the role of subordinate saviors or people who bring deliverance to a bound and a hurting world. 
God calls us to this. And one day when we ascend up to Mount Zion, when the kingdom is brought to completion, and when Jesus rules as King of kings and Lord of lords over this whole earth, you and I will be reigning with him as kings and priests. The role we fill now will determine the role we fill then. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.